0: local USCW 3000. We are the union. The union is us.
1: My name is... Emma Mudd. I am an organizer with UFCW 3000, which is awesome because my job is to talk to people who want a union in their workplace and help them go through that process. Um, One of my favorite experiences that I'm most proud of as an organizer with UFCW is helping some of the capacity building specialists at Planned Parenthood join the union. They're now bargaining and one of the members who um, I helped join the union is now on the bargaining committee. So I'm really proud of that. And I also helped the REI Bellingham campaign with their social media. So I got to uh, help the workers at REI Bellingham make a really awesome social media, Twitter and Instagram account to communicate to everyone out there why it's so important for them to have a union.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our local USCW 3000 podcast.
1: Today's podcast episode.
0: We have been recording at our Seattle office. I apologize for any background noise or extra echo that you may hear. I'll try my best to edit it out, but it's the realities of podcasting. Sometimes you're just going to get a little extra background noise. I have fellow member Allison here with me. Thanks,
2: Michaela. My name is Allison, and I use she, they pronouns. I work at Planned Parenthood of the Great Northwest, Hawaii, Indiana, Kentucky basically local Planned Parenthood here in Seattle as an insurance biller. And I've been a shop steward with Planned Parenthood since like 2020. Mm -hmm. And now I'm on the bargaining team. It feels empowering to be with your coworkers working towards the same goal. And especially in healthcare where we're really siloed I mean different departments we don't always talk to each other and at Planned Parenthood we have a lot of different health centers so we're not all in one building we're not in one location um so I get to meet people who I wouldn't normally meet and not only that I get to like work on them work with them (laughs) yeah on the most exciting it's like getting a better contract for everybody (laughs) you're gonna learn so much
0: It's a really cool process
2: yeah thanks well we're just I think on our we only just finished like our third third or fourth bargaining session so it's still kind of early but we've made some progress already which is satisfying but we have got a ways to go still Our contract expired end of May of this year. But yeah, it's going well, and thanks for having me here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking time out of your day and your busy work week to come down here and meet with me and fill in all of our listeners on some of the things you've been up to. Recently, you were featured on our UFCW3000.org website. As one of our member stories, can you tell me a little bit about
2: that? Yeah, well, I think that one of the reasons that they asked me uh, a little bit more about myself and wanted to feature me was because some of my coworkers and I created videos and basically just supportive messages to send down to our Maybe you'd call it sister affiliate or sibling Planned Parenthood affiliate down in Southern California. And so basically not all Planned Parenthoods across the entire country are the exact same management. Um, They call it affiliates. So there is a Planned Parenthood affiliate that I work for that is here in Washington state and has some health centers in a couple other states. And then there is a different affiliate, which is not currently unionized, Some Planned Parenthood affiliates are unions, some aren't. And within the affiliates, even, there's union workers and non-union workers because an affiliate can cover more than one state. But the affiliate down in Southern California is called Planned Parenthood of Orange County in San Bernardino. And they are not unionized right now, but they've been wanting to unionize for a while. Basically, they're being treated really unfairly. They have issues with wages down there not being up to you know the cost of living. Yeah. Among other things. And It's really unfair that they get different benefits than we do, even though we're really working, you know, the same job. And Seattle versus Southern California, I mean, those are both really high cost of living places. And so they are working really hard right now. They, I think, have their vote coming up. They filed for an election. Is that what you call it? When you're in the process of
0: organizing, one of the first steps, once everyone agrees that they do want to become a unionized facility or that their group wants to unionize, they hold a vote. And it's a voting process where everyone votes yes or no. And then you can start sitting down to bargain a contract with the employer.
2: Yes. So their vote is coming up. Honestly, they were hoping because, you know, Planned Parenthood positions itself as a progressive organization. You'd think it's a progressive employer. And I think we'd all like to believe that. Um, (laughs) But that's not always the reality. So they were hoping that Planned Parenthood would recognize them as a union just via a card check which I think that's what it's called. It's not as involved and bureaucratic as an Mm -hmm. election. But basically, if the majority of people, I believe, have like signed union cards that they want to unionize, be a part of a union, the employer can voluntarily just recognize them and then proceed to the next step, which would be bargaining a contract. Does that sound right? (laughs) That sounds absolutely
0: right. And I was just scrambling in my brain to try and recall those facts, but you are absolutely (laughs) correct on
2: that. That. I'm yeah. not an expert
0: but, <laughs> neither um, am I but we'll learn together right
2: <laughs> yeah and I'm learning from them too as I kind of like watch their process I follow the Planned Parenthood of Orange County and San Bernardino workers Instagram so there's updates that one of the workers there that posts about that a lot that's great do you know the Instagram
0: handle that Um, our listeners could potentially
2: look up if they wanted to tune into this as well. Yeah, I do. Um, I can find that pretty quickly. But basically, Planned Parenthood didn't agree to do the card check. They want to do an election. They want to have an opportunity to see if they can dissuade people, I think. That's the motive. And so that was unfortunate to see, but it just means that they need our support more than
0: ever. Some more backup, and maybe that'll help send a message to the employer too to realize that they have backup not only internally yeah. but externally and in other states. I think that's going to make a big difference.
2: Exactly. The Planned Parenthood affiliate that I work at here in Washington, the Washington workers at our affiliate have been unionized since the 90s, mm-hmm. but we have like multiple different affiliates unionized. It's not with the same union because um, it's in different states. Mm-hmm. I know in New. I think they're unionized with an SCIU local. The the folks who are unionizing down in California are working with a UFCW local down there. Oh, wonderful! To get that. Uh, But yeah, so I've got a lot of updates. The particular handle that the workers in the Southern California Planned Parenthood affiliate have on Instagram where they send lots of updates is PPOSBC Workers United. So that acronym at the beginning just is their big long acronym of Planned Parenthood of Orange County and San Bernardino but yeah I created a, a video and some of my other coworkers created a video as well of their own just encouraging them and telling them why we as Planned Parenthood workers here in Washington benefit from having a union what it does for us just so that they can understand um, if they have members or coworkers down there who don't already feel fully on board how beneficial it is and it's really clear that we literally get you know know. know better wages and better benefits we have a contract that's in writing and they don't and their policies they vary a little bit from Planned Parenthood to Planned Parenthood so different affiliates can, you know, choose how much they pay their workers, what type right. of benefits they give for if their workers, for instance, can speak another language. That's mm-hmm. really beneficial in healthcare, especially at Planned Parenthood. We see a lot of patients for whom English isn't their first language. Mm-hmm. And I know that I think we get benefit in our contract that's like I think it's over a dollar more per hour. It's if better than you mine. Speak another. <laughs> Yeah, if you speak another language, and theirs is less than a dollar. And so they're really feeling undervalued compared to other healthcare workers who are doing similar things at different, you know, healthcare clinics that aren't Planned Parenthood in Southern California. But I think that they're also feeling undervalued when they look at affiliates like ours or other affiliates that are giving these benefits that they don't get. And especially because, you know, those benefits we had to win them in our contract. And the great thing is they can't be taken away right. um, if management changes their mind. That's been really important during the pandemic too, because Planned Parenthood has struggled like a lot of healthcare, but even right. more so during the pandemic because we were hit with the lower, you know, patient volumes um, naturally, because people are staying home. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic and then the fact that, like, conservatives have been enacting so many restrictions and regulations on health care that are patient's need, you know, abortion, miscarriage management, gender affirming hormone care has all been restricted so much. It's really out of control. And that hurts our patients. And that also hurts us as workers, because those patients aren't able to come to us for care, we're not able to have as many patients. So it's important to have a good contract. It
0: is not just for the workers, but also for the safety of everybody as a whole. And as a patient, I mean, if you feel like you can not be treated for your needs properly, it's a problem and it can force you into a dangerous health situation. Um, It's now sadly becoming a scary reality for more and more people in more and more states.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so... It's just been kind of a pressure cooker, a lot of these different circumstances, like coming together. Because yeah, we lost some patient volume, there were layoffs, and there were health center closures during the pandemic in Washington, and other states, we closed a handful of health centers, laid a number of people off, unfortunately. It was good to have a contract for that, because we have language in it about, you know, how to proceed with layoffs, if that's necessary, in a way that's like, fair as it possibly can be.
0: and. Ethical. It means for our listeners, and you guys may have heard of similar situations where some businesses will close down and the employees have no idea. They don't find out until they go into work the next day and they find out by walking up to their front door of their business, their work site, and seeing a sign. And that's all that their notification that they got. They didn't get paid for their vacation time, their sick time. They didn't get paid out properly. There's no kind of benefits package. They're just literally jobless without any kind of notification. And our contracts prevent that from happening, which is why it's so important to unionize and negotiate this language so that we are able to hold businesses and employers accountable and prevent that from happening to our members.
2: Yeah. That sounds really (laughs) cutthroat. I can't imagine. It's... Not knowing that you're laid off until you go into your job site and there's a sign and a locked door. <laughs> it's
0: just so mean and I've seen it happen oh, in God. my own community before and it's really heartbreaking for those who have kids and depend on that paycheck and not everyone you know, has money stashed away in a bank or has the luxury of, yeah, sure, I can go without a job for a period of time. I, I just feel bad
2: for those people. So it just, yeah, makes it all the more important of a reason to yeah. fight. Yeah, it's definitely been a tough few years and there hasn't been any more layoffs like this year or last year. I think that happened in 2020 because then, you know, that was a situation we were in then. And then now we're understaffed. And even though I say, okay, well, we lost this patient volume. And we're definitely struggling for those reasons due to the pandemic. At the same time, when those abortion restrictions, those gender affirming hormone care restrictions hit, that meant that we're seeing an influx of patients traveling from far away, out of state, traveling in particular from Idaho, from Texas, places like that where they can't get the care that they need for ending a pregnancy for whatever reason or getting the life-saving, gender-affirming hormone care <laughs> that they need to survive. So it's really kind of been a yo-yo of effects going on that have caused us to be in a difficult position right now, needing to, like, give more care to to more patients who are coming from farther away, who are more stressed out, but then suddenly being understaffed now that we, you know, have closed clinics, but also there's been a lot of people who have just quit because, you know, inflation, like prices have gone up. And even before that, Planned Parenthood is not like the place to go make the most you can at being a medical assistant um, Mm -hmm. or something like that. So yeah, it's been tough.
0: That can definitely make it hard. And I feel your struggle on the short staffing front wholeheartedly. (laughs) It is a real problem. And like we had talked prior to starting our recording, you know, the short staffing crisis, it's not a new problem. It was just an an already existing problem that was just exacerbated by COVID and all of those things. And we're hoping that now that we pass that new safe staffing law, that we can start seeing some changes in that now that we're forcing our employers to change the environment that has been created from short staffing.
2: Yeah, I think that I'm really proud that here in Washington, we passed that safe staffing law. And I was a part of going down to Olympia. I went with my rep. Charlie. That's um, awesome. Yeah. When was that? That was just earlier this year, yeah. I think, that I went down to Olympia and I talked to my representatives and senator about why it was important. The law here is geared more towards hospital facilities, but we're hoping at Planned Parenthood that the spirit of the law and of the law itself, hopefully, in the future will extend to include workplaces like ours because we struggle with the same thing, even though, you know. Know, we don't have inpatient, we aren't, you know, there's not patients in beds who are suffering the same type of risks that understaffing presents. I mean, I've heard some of the nurses tell their stories where they have patients who literally can't leave, who are experiencing an understaffed environment that's really dangerous. Yeah. In theory, at Planned Parenthood, you know, if we have understaffing and someone's not happy with it, they can, you know, leave their appointment. But mm-hmm. I know that folks in hospitals might be hospitalized, and they just have to be there for the conditions of understaffing. But really... You know, it's affecting the quality of health care for patients in all types of facilities. And it's affecting the, you know, morale and the safety of the work environment for the workers who have to work in those conditions, whether you have inpatients or your clinic like Planned Parenthood.
0: Yeah, it affects the whole medical system. And like you said, it may not have an effect on the Planned Parenthood facilities right now, but it's a start and it's a big start. And once you have that door that's open, it's- it's kind of similar to bargaining a contract at a facility. You may yes. have just bargained one team. That doesn't mean yes. we're going to stop, right? We're going to yeah. bargain the other teams. So we, get we may have just past. bargained the hospitals, yes. but we're going to keep going. This exactly. is
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And, and thank I, you so much for going there in person and speaking in support. I really appreciate that. And I think that's a huge deal.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I've definitely heard from coworkers frustration that this law doesn't technically cover our workplace but we really need and want it to but it's about keeping your eyes on the prize because just like any bargaining you get your first contract you get some wins in that but you're in it for you know the war not the battle so to speak because we wanna win for everyone in the end and we need to get the first step in place because yeah it's it's affecting all departments not even just you know frontline workers my department an insurance billing. Four years ago, we had nine insurance billers mm-hmm. and each biller was responsible for all of the insurance billing for about two health centers. And today I'm just one of three That's insurance it. billers oh my gosh. who now we're each responsible for For the insurance billing for eight health centers, and that's across multiple states. So I do insurance billing for our Hawaii and Idaho Mm -hmm. clinics, and then a couple clinics here in Washington. And what that means basically, that's you know a big change. That's from nine to three workers. Plus, you took on more states, so not only did your workload triple, yeah. got multiplied even more, yeah. because <laughs> different states have, you know, different, different insurance billing rules. Yeah. And what it means is basically well, we just can't get all the work done. We can't just go from responsibility for two health centers to eight and still be getting it all done. So it's not getting all done. And that just means that, you know, patients have to wait longer um, yeah. and they might be grumpier. <laughs> so we experienced that. And the solution at the moment, that Planned Parenthood has come up with is, you know, bringing in outside contractors to help us get that work done. And they've reassured us that it's temporary and there's not much more that we can really do uh, mm-hmm. other than listen to what they're saying and hope that that's true. Yeah. So it's a hard environment to work in. And I know that my department isn't alone. I know that using temporary workers or outside contractors as a solution is something that they're implementing in our call centers and, you know, health centers, they can bring in temporary workers the same way that like a hospital might bring in a travel nurse or something like that. And, you know, it's a double edged sword, certainly, because look, like we do need the help. We need to get this work done. But it is disappointing when contracts with these, you know, third parties are being extended for more than a year. It makes um, you worry that, yeah,
0: yeah, being outsourced and yeah. it's one of the things our union tries to fight against outsourcing. We want to keep jobs here within the communities and for you and your coworkers, and to maybe someday bring your co-workers back. Those positions should be getting yeah. filled from those who are here locally rather than in some other country. Exactly.
2: Yeah, you know, my co-workers and I feel that also management can agree that it's ideal if we have in-house workers in terms of Quality, yes. Um, because patients, I think, are happier with staff who are more seasoned, like who isn't, you know, right. folks who really know their jobs and have been retained <laughs> for <laughs> a long period of time. Less mistakes happen that way. So I think that, you know, co-workers, management, and patients, ideally everyone wants to have internal staff Absolutely. is what I choose to believe. So we're still waiting for that to be a reality.
0: Is that something that has been coming up in your bargaining sessions with your employer?
2: Yeah, we are trying to leverage the safe staffing law that passed, even though it's not, you know, technically, Going to apply to clinic type facility like Planned Parenthood. Um, I think that once again, it's about the spirit of the law. Let's and, go with not yet. Yeah. it doesn't
0: include Planned Parenthood yet.
2: Yeah, and it's an it's just an indication of what the you know healthcare workers, what the labor market is struggling with on a broad scale in the country, in Seattle, um, in Washington, in general right now. I mean, we're feeling that squeeze. My coworkers are feeling that squeeze, and Ideally, what we want as the workers, my coworkers who are on the ground working with the patients, what we want, I think, from management is a seat at the table and to have agency to have a voice to contribute to discussions and decisions that involve staffing mm-hmm. so that it's not just, all right, you're being told, you know, three is fully staffed and that's end of discussion. You know, I think that we would feel better if we were included in the discussion of is Three, yeah. you know, enough staff. I think that folks would be happier and it would improve retention too when workers feel like they're being listened to and like they have a say in these decisions that impact us directly. Right. Um, and we absolutely should, because let's think about this logically. If we could actually depend on just
0: management alone, being honest and saying, yes, this number of staff to do this job is enough, we wouldn't be in the situation that we've been in for who knows how many years at this point. And reality is, we can't depend on management to be honest about that, because they're more concerned about the buck than they are quality of care for our patients. And our way to amend that is to make sure that our workers are included, that those who are actually doing the job and the work in the direct patient care full time are coming in and sitting down at the table and calling them out on it and saying no. That's not enough. We don't need three people. We need at least nine just to cover what we were covering before the pandemic.
2: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think that there's just a wealth of knowledge that frontline workers, people on the ground who aren't in a managerial role have where they're seeing things and how they work every day that management can really benefit from. And it's just really hard when we feel like we're not being listened to and feel like we're not being offered enough transparency. I think that, you know, communication is key and when there's weaknesses in management with like transparency and communication, it can really impact trust amongst the workers, which is what management wants from us is they want our trust, they want our buy-in. And right. I think that to have that communication that is really, working really well and transparency and the opportunity to have agency as a worker, to have your say, um, listened to. And when I say that, I don't just mean that, Your employer puts out a employee engagement survey every Mm -hmm. year or something and, you know, you never hear about it ever again. You (laughs) you never
0: hear the results. You don't hear their input. They don't sit down and have a meeting to discuss the key problem that's being repeatedly pointed out to them by every employee. Yeah, it's extremely frustrating.
2: Yeah, that's something that I feel like I really struggle with. And I I don't think I'm alone. A lot of employers, you know, they have their employee engagement surveys. They're very jazzed about it. Um, (laughs) And hey, I do fill out the employee engagement survey. I have some coworkers and friends who are like, I don't feel like anything ever comes of it. So I'm not going to fill it out. I do try to fill it out. And I think that... It just can feel really hypocritical when they are pushing an employee engagement survey so hard. And in the same time period, there'll be, you know, a meeting of all staff or something and they'll be like, we don't have any time for questions go fill out the employee engagement survey. (laughs) Must be so frustrating. Yeah, that's like a true story that happened to me recently. I I did attend a all staff meeting with the intention of bringing up a question that my coworkers were really concerned about related to security and safety in our health centers. That's an issue that we've been more concerned about as the conservative rhetoric has ramped up. And like I said, our staffing has, ramped down. And it was a question that I wanted to ask in an all staff meeting. There's often at the end opportunities to ask questions. The CEO is there and lots of other folks in management are there and happy most of the time to answer questions. But I don't know if they realized or not, but I had a question and the meeting was ended early and explicitly like, we don't have any more time for questions. Go fill out the employee (laughs) engagement survey. And I, you know, take the the employee engagement survey yeah as directed and there's multiple choice questions things like that when there's no opportunity in it whatsoever to free write anything you know wow. there's not an opportunity in it to be like is there anything you know that You're any additional about. questions you have or things like that there wasn't an opportunity for that in the survey and so that's just a real world example of what i'm talking about when i think that all we're asking for as, you know, frontline workers, folks who work in the health centers, folks who work with patients directly and aren't in a managerial role, to feel like we are being listened to and to feel like our input is being taken into consideration when making decisions. And there's lots of different ways that could look <laughs> in addition to, you know, having an opportunity to ask questions during an all staff meeting. Having an opportunity in a employee engagement survey to free write questions or free write some of your concerns in the survey. But along the lines of the staffing law, having our labor management committee, which we've had for a while now, be able to call subcommittee meetings about some of these tough issues like retention, staffing, security in our health centers and have, you know, folks in the meeting who are both management and also frontline workers who are experiencing those issues on the ground, both be able to come to the table and really listen to each other and develop solutions together. Instead of just, we go to an all staff meeting and we hear that the solution is we aren't hiring any more people right now.
0: (laughs) It's not a solution. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, oh. you know, wait to hear back more later, but we can't make any guarantees. You know, that's mm. obviously going to make anyone feel nervous. It's no and surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's no surprise that, you know, staff will be more frustrated if that's all the information, that's all the transparency that they're getting. Right. So we're not hoping. any
0: transparency from the sounds of it. It's yeah. just-
2: we're hoping for better and we're not just hoping, we are bargaining for better. We're trying to get language in the contract that would allow us to call these subcommittees and give the Labor Management Committee a little bit more teeth um, okay. you know, to actually make these changes happen And you guys are probably
0: also trying to bargain in security measures in your contract as well.
2: Yeah, it kind of just goes hand in hand with staffing. We have a security department who the workers in that department, I really admire, but a lot of them have left because, you know, their wages aren't keeping up with, you know, the market. And so that's part of the challenge too. And so really introducing some teeth around staffing concerns is going to help both in the health center um, in my department I'm an insurance biller and in security so any win there I think would help all departments absolutely um, be able to give input on we need you know this much staff and we're not going to be able to get them unless we have a minimum hiring wage of gotta have a competitive pay scale Competitive
0: pay scales are so huge, and it's one of the big things that our union fights for. And the thing is, when your facility gets a good pay scale, it also benefits facilities that
2: may not be unionized that are nearby because now they have competition. That's why we want to support more Planned Parenthood affiliates, workers unionizing, because a win that we won in our contract is going to benefit the workers down in Orange County and San Bernardino and other Planned and parenthood affiliates, because I think it puts pressure on those employers to raise that up. And I think there's a saying when, is it like when the ocean rises, all boats are lifted up? Yes. It makes me kind of think of like climate change. So maybe that's not the best <laughs> not the best metaphor no, um, but basically it. a win for one is it a win for all because it just raises a standard in the industry to where it should be yeah where so it needs to be. we want our wins here in Washington state to influence and encourage wins down there in California and conversely you know there are some things um, here and there that they have down in California that we don't and so mm-hmm. we can use that if we're communicating which Which is why I follow their Instagram because I can just send them a message like, hey, does your affiliate pay for scrubs for all of your staff? Mm -hmm. And they can give me that information and that can help us, you know, put pressure on our employer to begin paying for scrubs again, which is something that they stopped doing during the pandemic. Um, It was a cost saving measure. Really? Not all of our staff were pleased with that. I think that staff do like the ability to have a little bit more freedom of choice of like, okay, what do I want my scrubs to look like? I want them to fit a little bit better. But there's lots of ways to still compensate your workers for a uniform that they are required to wear that allow them to have choice and that allow them to find a garment that fits them well.
0: And for those who are not in the healthcare system or those who don't work in healthcare, you may not know, a pair of decent scrub bottoms is a minimum $30. A decent scrub top is a minimum $30. Yes, you could go to Walmart and you can get something super cheap, but do you think that cheap pair of clothing is really going to protect you from when your vomits? all over you, you know, projectile vomiting with all the chunks. No, it's going to sink all the way through. (laughs) So so now you're talking at minimum, you know, 60 to hundred dollars per an outfit per a day. Yeah. You can't wear the
2: same outfit every day.
0: Yeah. Um, And if you're not expecting that cost to be thrown at you because your employer has previously been covering that work uniform cost, that's a big cost to put up front during a pandemic when food's going up when you don't have the ability to go to the store to buy it in the first place, the cost of everything going up and to throw that on your employees really. Yeah.
2: That was one of the things amongst several benefits that were cut during the pandemic that we're not only hoping Planned Parenthood here in Washington and everywhere hopefully will bring back, but we're hoping to put the language in our contract that uniforms that are required to be worn are covered, they're reimbursed or they're paid for, however that works, because that's just an example of something where, oh, well, they've been doing it for a long time and we don't need it in the contract, right? Because they already do it. Well, when it's not in a contract, it's just at management's discretion, and they can take it away. So that's why we're trying to get that in the contract this year. And it's really important at this time too because I mean costs went up during the pandemic and the amount of things that you need to wear for your job also went up you know we Mm -hmm. have PPE masks gloves um I don't want to say goggles but you know eye protection your face shields right you're
0: right about the goggles though because if you wear prescription glasses wearing goggles over your prescription glasses with an N95 causes a lot of fogging so there I have coworkers who did go out and spend the extra expense to get prescription goggles just so that they can see their patients clearly. Yeah. So yeah,
2: you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so we want you know uniforms like scrubs that are already required by the employee handbook to be worn. We want that to be covered or reimbursed by our employer. And we want the PPE that we need to do our job to also be paid for by the employer. Paid for and supplied so you
0: guys can be safe too. It's important, it's kind of necessary. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's an example of something that we didn't have it in the contract. We didn't think we needed it in the contract, maybe, because it had always been kind of taken for granted. Yeah, they pay for your uniforms, they require you to wear it. And then, oh, well, that's taken away, right?
0: (laughs) It's so scary that that's just a sad reality. And a piece of advice to anyone who's listening, who's also bargaining their contract, if that's something your employer supplies, make sure it's written in there. Because if it's not like you said, it's a benefit that management is within the right to take away, which is unfortunate.
2: Exactly. And, you know, I think that we understand at Planned Parenthood as workers, the difficult financial position and political position, et cetera, that Planned Parenthood is in on a national scale. And that, yes, you know, they needed to cut costs. They needed to do something to ensure that the workers stayed and were cared for. But, you know, when you're Given options, there's always options of ways to cut costs. I think that most people would agree that cutting costs by not paying for you know required uniforms is not the ideal <laughs> cost right. to cut, especially when you know you have a CEO who might be making like in excess of over five hundred thousand dollars a year, even though it's a nonprofit. You know, nonprofit management and CEOs. Still still make... Quite a bit of money, especially compared to the cost of scrubs for folks who might be making less than $20 an hour Mm -hmm. um, and trying to live in the Western Washington, Seattle metropolitan area.
0: I keep waiting to hear about a CEO who took a 10, 15, 20 percent pay cut to help cover cost issues within the facility, right, to keep them to keep their employees employed and to keep them supplied with scrubs. And PPE, and yet we don't hear that. Instead, the only thing we're hearing and seeing are the cold, hard facts that they are, in fact, getting a two to three hundred percent pay increase. Since COVID,
2: yeah, there's just no transparency about that whatsoever. When I say a quota number like over five hundred thousand dollars a year for you know CEO here at our local Planned Parenthood affiliate, that number is from like 2019 um, mm-hmm. because that's the most recent data that I can find that's publicly available on you know the tax forms that nonprofits have to publicly make available. But right, 2019. 2019- that's kind of a while, ago, it a while ago compared to what is now 2023. So yeah, when I last looked at it, our CEO at that moment was making over $500,000 a year. I, I wish that there was more transparency about these decisions to stop paying for scrubs for our frontline workers who are making the lowest amount in the affiliate, you know, working at the front desk of our health centers, working at as a medical assistant yeah. those type of jobs you know
0: it would be very interesting and for those who don't know that this is public record you can find most of it on the department of health website if you go there there's a little search bar in the top right hand corner and you can just type in something as simple as hospital financials. And as soon as you type that in and hit enter, it's going to search for that website and you can look up the wage scale of CEOs, CNOs, chief nursing officers, all of that is public record and it's online and you can compare and you can see what they've been getting. That's a pretty, pretty nifty tool you've been involved with so much more than I knew about it's great (laughs) hearing about all of that is there anything else that's really important that you think we should let our listeners
2: know I mean there's a million things (laughs) I hope that I'm Um, You know, you were fantastic. Yeah, I want to walk the line of having some diplomacy because management is someone we want to work with and we want them to do well, you know, and we want them to partner with us more so and have more transparency. And so it takes, I think, a lot of courage and bravery that we don't always feel as workers to ask the tough questions or point out the struggles that are Mm -hmm. happening. Or the deficiencies that are existing because that can be interpreted as. Uh insubordination. But to be honest with you, I feel like I would wish that management could have the perspective, take the perspective on that as that, you know, my workers are asking these tough questions that they're brave enough to point out um, some of the problems and the issues that they're seeing shows that they care. Mm -hmm. Because if we didn't care, if I didn't care about my workplace, about Planned parenthood about our patients about the mission that we're serving of care no matter what and trying to like be part of the solution of health equity I and my coworkers wouldn't even bring it up you just watch it crash and burn but that's yeah. not the
0: reality you do care and it is hard to walk the professional line of pointing things out in a kind way in a professional way yeah. so that it can be addressed but the reality is if you don't stand up and say anything if your co-workers don't stand up and say anything yeah those problems won't be addressed and it won't succeed
2: yeah because I think that's something that a lot of my co-workers at Planned Parenthood but probably workers at any workplace struggle with is like okay if I care about this workplace if I care about the mission if you care about the work that you do then you may have suggestions for improvements may have questions um, for your manager or for you know leadership in general at your company or at your organization and it can just be really frightening I've felt really nervous (laughs) yeah Bringing up questions. And (laughs) it makes me think of the employee engagement survey because that's supposed to be an anonymous way to ask Mm -hmm. questions. But my last employee engagement survey didn't have any opportunity for questions. So... Um, I think it just takes a lot of courage to point out an issue that you see, say, I feel that we're understaffed, say, I feel that scrubs, which are required uniform, should be paid for, not coming out of my pocket when I only make, you know, right. $20 $20 an hour or somewhere around that. And I think that is one reason why it feels good to have a union because, Hey, if you're too scared <laughs> and that's totally fine because retaliation is real. <laughs> yes, yes it is. If you're too scared to bring up those issues, you can call, you can email your union rep, you can talk to them. They don't work for your employer and you can tell them what concerns and issues you have and they are paid to be that brave person Yeah. <laughs> stand up for you and say, hey, um, you know, employer, here's what your workers are telling me. And, you know, I think that That's one of the, like, privileges, but also, you know, nerve-wracking things about being a shop steward, if folks want to pursue being a steward is you know standing up for your coworkers and advocating for them concerns that they've brought to you that they don't feel confident enough they don't feel secure enough to tell their manager about Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah that's kind of the role of your union rep that's the role of your steward and that can be like your role if you're feeling confident enough to speak up and uh Yes. try to balance that with some level of diplomacy I guess is what I tr- try to do because um, I'm not trying to be uh, you know written up for quote unquote insubordination which I feel can be used in a very subjective way you know is yeah, asking you've been very diplomatic and yeah is asking a question or like um, you know saying what you need in order to do your job effectively insubordination is that being aggressive you know I think that in particular those types of write-ups those types of corrective actions or whatnot those types of criticisms from management that are super subjective can be applied to workers in an unfair way mm-hmm. in particular you know based on race um, based on sexuality based on orientation based on gender an example that I can think of right is I feel like my coworkers of color are perceived when they ask a question of management that might be a difficult question or pointing out Mm -hmm. a place of improvement can be viewed more harshly, like, oh, that was really aggressive, right? (laughs) A word like that Mm -hmm. versus, you know, maybe if there's someone who has an identity that is more historically like lifted up, ask the same question. Well, they're just being confident, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that can be true for uh, women or other um, people with other gender identities, queer, non binary, who bring up issues versus someone who identifies as a cisgender man brings up an issue. He's being confident, but you're being shrill. Right. right. Or, or emotional. you're being overly emotional about this. Mm. And so I think that I just wanted to share that I relate to that struggle of. Trying to advocate for my coworkers, trying to advocate for myself by showing that we care, by bringing up issues that we see in the workplace that we want to have agency in resolving. And then that being received by management in a way as if we don't have good faith or something like that. Right. <laughs> or you're being, you know, to this, to that, um, versus. You're just being, you know, confident, you're being direct and you're showing that you care. (laughs) And you're just being factual. I mean, realistically, all
0: the problems that you have discussed with me are very valid problems that need to be
2: addressed. Exactly. Yeah. I've never once, you know, engaged in any name calling, anything like that, that I think, you know, if someone is cussing if someone's you just name calling or something or making like personal statements about their manager that's not at all no, um, what I've seen of. my co-workers doing yeah. that's not at all um, what I've done but sometimes I think it can be hard to be diplomatic and it can be harder for some people to have their diplomacy like received how they're trying to put it out because of how they're viewed by their manager <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: it boils down to being able to
0: take constructive criticism, listen to what's being stated and address the issues properly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If anyone is curious about practical advice, one thing I try to do is sometimes sandwich my constructive criticism between some uh, positive things, a compliment, (laughs) maybe. It does help. It makes it easier, right? (laughs) Yeah. But you know, you don't have to do that and you shouldn't have to do that if you're just respectfully bringing up an issue in your workplace. But I feel like these types of tactics are something that we have to resort to as workers sometimes to try and get our message heard and I think that's again why it's good to have a union rep and the support of your coworkers because sometimes maybe you have a message that you don't feel confident that management is going to hear in the way that you want it to be heard maybe you have a coworker you have solidarity with who you trust, who for whatever reason, and it might be related to identity or it might be related to their personal work relationships, the message coming from them would be better received by management. Right. You know, that's why it's good to, you know, talk to your union rep, but also talk to your coworkers so that you can have the support in moments where if you aren't the one who's feeling the most confident <laughs> to bring up these issues, other people have your back they can say Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, It's really supportive and helpful to have an environment like that. And I think being in a union helps create an environment, an encouraging environment like that, where you can talk to your coworkers and feel supported.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes when you contact your rep over something that you're concerned about or you want addressed or help addressing, sometimes it ends up being a grievance issue and your union rep is able to help you tackle that and sometimes tackle it for you. You don't even have to be directly involved sometimes to have that problem resolved and taken care of. And then it's no longer a problem for you or your coworkers. It's a process, but it is definitely a great benefit of being a union member.
2: Yeah, I definitely try to encourage my coworkers and my friends to see that perspective. And I know that I've talked to coworkers and friends who've just said, I really don't feel comfortable bringing this up at all mm-hmm. in my workplace. I'm getting treated this kind of way by my management, or maybe I'm getting treated, you know, in a poor way by a group of certain co-workers because of my identity or something like that. That's a valid concern that I've heard from both my co-workers and my workplace and also my friends yeah. at other workplaces that are unionized and not unionized. And I always try to encourage them to, you know, last resort, like talk to your union rep. And they can keep whatever conversation between you and them confidential if you ask. But they might also have the knowledge of someone else who is in your exact situation, mm-hmm. who's suffering from the exact same thing and is also too scared to bring it up, who you didn't even know, right? And they can say, you know, so-and-so is going through something really similar right now and I could connect you to, right? There's ways that you can connect with your coworkers maybe you go to your union rep and they say there's someone else who's struggling with the same type of discrimination in this department and they're talking about the same issues as you like your reps can act as connectors so that you can like build support at work so yeah i'm glad we talked about that
0: thank you allison for taking time out of your day again and coming down and talking with me and talking about these topics that are not necessarily easy things to chat about more important Thank you for doing everything that you have been doing to help out your coworkers in your community and reaching out to people all the way out in California. Is there a shout out you want to give to anybody because this is a podcast you want to give a quick shout out to anybody before we wrap
2: it up. I just mainly want to give a shout out to the workers at the Planned Parenthood of Orange County and San Bernardino affiliate. I hope that their election goes well and that y'all's first contract is strong and y'all stay strong. And also the Planned Parenthood workers in Massachusetts, I understand right now, are unionizing and they're in a similar struggle. So, yeah, just shout out to all the Planned Parenthood workers out there who understand what we're going through, whether you're union or not, I uh, stand with y'all.
0: Wonderful, I think that's beautiful.
2: Hi guys, I wanted to support Planned Parenthood of Orange County and San Bernardino's staff in your efforts to unionize, so I wrote a few of my thoughts and wanted to share them for you here. I've been a union steward since the pandemic started, Um, And being part of a union with my coworkers has given us greater power to ask for and get uh, what we need, fair wages, um, better working conditions, better work-life balance, um, and time off benefits. Being in a union has been especially beneficial during the setbacks of the pandemic and ongoing conservative attacks on the healthcare we provide. Um, My union reps, uh, some of whom have worked at Planned Parenthood in the past, understand Planned Parenthood's mission and our work as the staff to realize that mission. While I encourage you to unionize regardless of whether you choose to partner with UFCW, I want to encourage you to partner with UFCW because you'll be partnering more directly with us. Um, And that's me and other Planned Parenthood staff who share your goals. Um, And yeah, we're stronger together. Thanks.
0: If you have any questions or you want to know more about our union, go to our website at UFCW3000.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and thank you for listening. Have a fabulous day.